You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you um, for the promise of new life and for the promise of your faithfulness every day, the promise of your grace, no, no matter how rotten we are, that you're generous to us. And I pray in this time that you would be generous to us, that you would just awaken us to the satisfaction found in Christ and the joy found in Christ and give us wisdom on how to, um, how to lead our kids in that direction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so I have two worksheets over there on the side. One is the scripture. One is just is my notes. I just printed out my notes in case you, know, in case you want them. Um, and then another thing too up here, up here I've got this. This is our overview of our children, youth, and family ministry. Um, it kind of goes through our philosophy of ministry, things to do at home, a breakdown of every grade. If you want to take one per family, these things are really expensive. <laughs> I want to be a good steward. Um, so yeah, the, yeah. but would, I'd really love for everybody to take one. Um, okay, so we are first faith and family class. You know, I mean, I guess not. I mean, really, first faith and family class here in a long, long time. And so um, I'm excited about that and thankful for that. And um, we are uh, going to be doing a, a, a six-week series, taking a week off on Labor Day, um, uh, called Our Aspirations for Our Children. And so if you see here, if you have this book, um, you see here in the first page, we have a um, sheet that says, Our Dream for Your Child. Our Dream for Your Child. And so basically, you know, you gotta, you got to begin with the end in mind. What's our target? What are, what are we really hoping to accomplish? What are we, you know, hoping that our children will have an experience? We've got to have a target. And so that's, a, that's essentially where we start. We begin with the end in mind. And, um, and so our aspirations um, for your children are, are that your child would have a joyful, satisfying life. That your child would have a meaningful, purposeful life. That your child would have a peaceful life. That your child would have a, lo- a loving, moral life. That your child would have a worshipful life. And that your child would have an eternal life. And so, you know, these are, these are the promises of living life in a dependent, intimate relationship with Jesus. All of these things. You know, we, there is satisfaction and joy found in an intimate relationship with Jesus. There is meaning and purpose in living your life for God's kingdom. There is peace found in the rest of the gospel. There is... Um, there is direction and there is the help of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in living a loving moral life. Um, there is, um, there is you know, living into our core purpose of, in living a worshipful life. And there is the hope of eternal life. The, the problem of death is solved through Christ. And so these are all things that we hope for, that we want for, for our kids. Like that's, um, I think that's one of the things that's, I think part of, uh, I say this, excluding myself, from the conversation, but I think one of the things that really makes um, our church tick, particularly our children, youth, and family tick, is that all of us have been like profoundly changed by the gospel. We all have no idea where we would be without Jesus. We we want and we love and we need Jesus so much, and we just know the 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 the, the joy and the meaning and the peace and all those things that come. Through Christ, and we just we want that for our children. You know, we want that for the people around us. We want people to have the life of Christ, and so that's kind of the conviction 
um, and the passion that really drives us. And so, um, and so with that being said, today we're going to um, talk about the first aspiration, and that is a, um, a joyful, satisfying life. And so we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 13. Um, that's the, you know, you'll, you'll have that in one of those sheets. Again, if you don't have, you don't have the worksheets, they're over there to decide. Um, and so um, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to kind of explicate it, and we'll, we'll make some points. So, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for God. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have passion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, there but water the earth, make it bring forth and sprout, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn shall come to the cypress instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All right, so, you know, I want to start, and, and I want you just to kind of think about this. Like, when you first had your child, and as your child has, you know, grown up, um, to think about what are your aspirations? You know, like, you see your child when they're 30, or they're 40, or they're 50. Like, what are some of the aspirations that parents have for their kids? Like, concrete pictures, you know, like, I see my child, you know, driving to a job <laughs> with a button-down shirt on. Now I don't know. Um, what are like? What are some of the aspirations that you have for your children? Married. They're married. Happy. Smile on their face. That's great. Good image. Go to church. Go to church. Yes, totally. They have children. Good. They're self-supporting, yeah. You do not see them in the basement of your house. Right? <laughs> Which is okay. That's okay if that's your story. That's great. Good image, yeah. Don't mess up. That's perfect thing that we've created. That's right. Just don't go against the plan. Just, just, just won the Super Bowl, um, you know, and signing autographs. Signing autographs, yeah. They're on the Disney World commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. Where are you going, Drennan Nichols? I'm going to Disney World. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good, that's a good look there. Um, yeah, so we have these aspirations, right? And, you know, I've told, I tell this story a lot. You may have heard, I think I told it a couple weeks ago, so it's, it's a little bit overused, but I'm telling it again. Um, but once I was in, uh, 
I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for a store to open. It was raining. And I was at the summit outside the anthropology. And I can remember asking myself, this was, man, this was probably 10 years ago, asking myself, like, you know, am I happy? It's like, am I happy? And I thought about that for a second. I was like, that's not really the question. That's not the question, you know? Like, um, I, you know, because, like, there are some tough things that are really, a, like, a beautiful and wonderful part of life, you know? I mean, no one, no one wants to, like, walk alongside and care for a person who has cancer. And that can be a real privilege in life to, to, lo- to, be, to share that with a person and to love them. Certainly we don't want that. And, you know, that's not a happy thing. And it a lot of times is a blessing to, to, to be in that kind of a position. And so I, I kind of started thinking, I was like, that's not the question. The question is, am I content? Like, am I satisfied? You know, because contentment and satisfaction um, does not necessarily mean that you're, you know, happy all the time and everything's going your way. Um, but it does mean that you have this ultimate sense of enough, enoughness in your heart that's come through the Lord. Um, uh, happiness is not a static, it's not a reliable thing in the fallen world. Um, life is just too hard. There's too much pain and um, too much disappointment and, and, and difficulty to be happy all the time. That's not, that's not really a, a, that's a question that's based on really a false presupposition. Um, so the question is really, am I satisfied? Am I content? Because you can have really horrible seasons where circumstances are bad, but you're still actually content because you're, you know, you're seeing the faithfulness of God and you're close to him. And, um, and so that, I think that that is the, you know, a question for us is with our kids is I think probably at the bottom, the bottom, I think every parent's like really wants their kid to be happy. And, um, and I think that probably what we really want is for our children to be satisfied, our children to have joy. And so um, I think this is, I think that is a primary, you know, a primary aim in our parenting. And so, you know, the thesis of this is, is going to be um, that our children are, are born with need, like point one, they're, they're creatures, they're born with need. Um, point two is that because of sin, the way that we seek the satisfaction of that need uh, is distorted. Um, and then point three is that satisfaction is found in an intimate dependent relationship with Christ. So we're going to look at Isaiah 55. And, um, and so just a little bit of context. This is toward the end of Isaiah. And this is prophetically speaking about the Messiah, the suffering servant who, who is Christ. So this is, you know, over 700 years before Jesus comes, but this is who, uh, this is who Isaiah is prophetically speaking about. And then when you see that Jesus, you know, in his ministry quotes Isaiah a great deal, and what he's communicating is that is that I am the suffering servant that was promised from Isaiah 40 through 66. And then you also see in a lot of the different uh, books in the New Testament, particularly like 1 Peter, tons of references to Isaiah um, because uh, Peter is saying, like, this is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Okay. So first, start out, it says, uh, verses, um, verse 1, it says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So notice all of um, these verbs related to need. Thirst, um, you have no money. Um, and, and basically, it's recognizing that we are creatures. We are not the creator. So we were made with, with need. We were made to depend. Um, we, are, we do not have what you call aseity. Aseity is one of the characteristics and attributes of God. 
The aseity of God means that God does not have any need. No need at all. He is completely self-sufficient within himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so, you know, if I, I can remember having this moment when I was like a, I think I was a freshman in college, I was like a really passionate Christian teenager, and, um, and realizing that God did not need me. I was like, whoa, God doesn't need me to do anything. You know, I mean, that, that, yeah, like we, we are called to do things in this world. We do want to share the gospel. We do want to love people. We do want to, you know, tend to people's needs. Like, absolutely, like, you know, people, people do need us, but like God doesn't need us. Um, his, his work is not contingent upon our performance. And so God is without need. But we are creatures and we are made to need. We are made to want and we are made to long. And so, um, and so let me say this. We're made to need, but post-fall, um, a manifestation of that need is that now we long. You know, we long for heaven. Uh, we long to be healed. We long to be whole. You know, we long to be delivered. And so, um, and that's a good thing. There's a really fantastic book um, called Teach Us to Want by a woman named uh, uh, Jean Pollock Michel, Madame Michel. Um, she's, a, um, she's, a, she's a friend of Rooted. She's spoken at our conferences. And, um, and so she talks about how um, in conservative American Christianity over the previous generation, how longing and wanting was kind of shamed. Like that was like a bad thing. To, to have desires is seen as a bad thing because there is this idea that like, you know, a lot of our desires are sinful, right? And so the answer was annihilate all desire. And she's saying, no, 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 no. Like look at the Psalms, look at the Bible. Like desire is expressed to God. And so we do need God's word and we do need the guidance of the good shepherd and the interference and interaction of the Holy Spirit to properly direct our desires. But we are made to need, and like longing and wanting is just a part of our fabric, okay? And so, um, you know, Jen writes, we want life leaks, desires are disappointed, and God our Father remains eternally good. And so what you see is one of the big, um, a big theme in the Bible, and something that Jesus brings up a lot, particularly in the book of John, is how he recognizes that there is this longing that we have. Look, in, in John chapter 6, verse 35, um, on this worksheet, um, Jesus said, said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So here he's talking about hunger, like we have this hunger. Um, and he says, I can satisfy your hunger. I, I am the proper object of your desire. Uh, John 7, 37, he says, On the day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And so again, thirst, there's a need. There's a longing. I mean, think about when you've got cotton mouth. You know, you've like worked out or you haven't drank enough water and you've got cotton mouth. I mean, that's a, that is a feeling that you want satisfied, right? Um, and Jesus says, you know, come to me. And so uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen, interesting that we see, you see, you know, this... Um, in, in Isaiah 55, Old Testament, this framing of need and desire. Jesus saying, I'm the object who satisfies this. End of the Bible. Revelation 22:17. 17. This is one of the last five verses of the entire Bible. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears come, 
and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. And so what you see in Revelation, in heaven and the new heavens and the new earth, is this portrait of complete satisfaction of desire. All longing, all desire being fulfilled because we're in perfect communion with God. We see God face to face. We're delivered from sin. We're delivered from the pains of the fallen world. And so all that to say is um, the point here is that we as people, we as parents, like we have desires, right? We just express some of our desires for our own children. But our kids are made with desire. They're made to long. That's not a bad thing. Um, what is it, I'm just curious, you know, for those of you who have kids, whatever age, what do you see as some of the desires of children? You don't need to identify your child specifically, but generically speaking, as a person who has a child, has a, a child or children in your house or, and who sees their peers, what are some of the desires that you see them longing for? Snacks, play the Nintendo, and play my phone. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Autonomy. Autonomy, good. Acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Um, clothing, yeah. Yeah, right? Good. Yeah, I see, like, belonging. They want belonging desperately. Um, especially when they're in adolescent age, that's one of the big things that they, they desire, and, and that's why they'll do anything to get it. That's really what drives like a lot of the part of drinking and drugs and stuff is really the desire for belonging to get into the group. It's because an instant way into the group. Security. What's that? Security. Security. Good. Um, they want an identity. They want a sense of worth. Um, so these are all desires, right? And so when we you know, keep on going here, we're going to see that what Isaiah identifies is that we naturally in our sin go to the wrong places to meet those desires. That's, that's kind of, that's our, probably our, 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 the thing that drives most of our disappointment and dissatisfaction in life is that we go to the wrong place to meet those desires. The desires are good. The object, the object where we seek satisfaction usually is flawed. And so in verse two, it says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. And so, you know, he's recognizing that, um, you know, we, we seek satisfaction in the wrong places naturally. And so here's the thing. It's like when you're an adult, uh, especially as you kind of mature in your relationship with Christ, you gain an awareness of this, you know? Like I can, I can find myself when, when I um, am fixating about money, and looking at the bank account and all the retirement accounts, and all that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, like what's really going on here, Cameron? Is like you you want peace, you want a sense of peace and security, and you're you're but you're looking in the wrong place. Like God's name is Jehovah Jireh, He's your provider. Like that's that's where I'm going to find that peace is remembering that God's my provider, right? And so you have an awareness, but that awareness didn't just appear, right? And so one of the things that we as parents want to try to be doing is helping our kids develop self-awareness on their behavior and their desires. So, you know, your kid is, um, your, your, you know, your child, let's say, is one of those kids who is all about the resume and all about getting into the great school. And they've, they've got, you know, they've, they're working 12 steps ahead. You know, they're, I'm going to go to this school and I'm going to get this internship and I'm going to move to this place and take this job. And then 15 years from now, this, and, and it's kind of like, well, let's take a step back. Let's analyze, like, if all those things come true, what is it? What is it that you really, really want? You know? 
There's a sense of control, a sense of community, a sense of identity. And so part of what we're doing with our kids in terms of, in, in terms of cultivating uh, almost like an emotional intelligence, but also a spiritual intelligence, is to help them analyze what is driving my desire. What's driving the desire and things I do. Now, here's the thing. Um, they, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to, they don't, they are not cognitively or developmentally capable of having the kind of awareness that they're going to be able to have when they're 25 years old. Um, but you got to start somewhere. You know, you got to start somewhere. And so helping them be, um, and analyze themselves, you know, being objective, not that you can't be objective, but being analyzers of their own desires, their own behavior, that's, that's part of what we're trying to do. Next thing, uh, going to verse uh, 2 and 3, it says, Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live, that your soul may be satisfied. And so we have here the way, the way that we pursue satisfaction, and we have the object of that satisfaction. You know, the object, he says, come to me, like God satisfies. Come to me. God satisfies. And so, you know, with our kids, I think if there is, if there is, uh, you, know, you know, we talk about um, over-communication and messaging, you know, we got, we've got some talented marketing people back there. You have consistent messaging, right? And so I think one of the consistent messages we say to our kids is, you know, hey, sweetheart, hey, buddy, you know that, like, Jesus is the thing that satisfies your soul. Like, Jesus, God is, who, is what can really satisfy your soul. God is what can give you that sense of peace. God is what gives you that sense of worth. God is what gives you that sense of acceptance and belonging that you really desire. So constantly pointing, if, if your child... If a child walks out of our ministry or comes out of your house and they are clear that Jesus is the thing that will satisfy their soul, we have, we have played winning football. We, uh, we, have, we have had a championship caliber tenure um, because that right there, I mean, if they get that, they know where to go. They know where to go. And so, but notice too the nature of this, um, the way toward the object of satisfaction who is Christ. Listen diligent to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear. Come to me here. These are all, um, these are, all these verbs have some level of submission and dependence. You know, when you're listening, when you're hearing, when you're coming, like God's the one who's in the lead. God's the one who's the provider. We're the dependent. Um, so there's that, but they're also, these are also personal, you know, like you listen to a person, um, you come to a person. And so it's, it's not just that we know the object, but we know that the, the way that we pursue or move towards the object of our satisfaction is through dependence and it's in personal relationship. It's intimate relationship. So that's why I say our soul is satisfied when we are in a dependent, intimate relationship with Jesus. So you can see the nature of the way that we move towards, um, towards Christ. And so he says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, uh, sure love for David. Behold, I made a witness to the peoples and a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And, and this is, these are all promises of the Messiah. 
This is all stuff related to and pointing to the Messiah who is Christ. And so that is kind of like, you can kind of break this text into two parts, and they're both kind of repeating the same point, but we can kind of see here, you know, the first established that we have desire, we have need, that we need satisfied. Because of sin, we naturally eat the wrong food. You know, we naturally eat cotton candy, and we think that's going to satisfy our soul. Um, and we, we need, you know, we need to be reminded of that by God's Word. We need to be reminded by that by each other. And Jesus is the object that satisfies our soul, and the way that we move towards Him is in personal relationship and by depending on Him. All right, so let's look at this, this kind of a repetition of a similar thing, um, starting in verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. All right, so first off, again, there's this reiteration of seek the Lord. Like the person who is thirsty, the person who is hungry, the person who has desire, take it to God. Take it to God. Um, But then there's again this recognition of our sin, like let the wicked person repent. Like let the unrighteous person repent. That's all of us, you know. And so, with that being said, part of finding satisfaction in Christ is living this life of dependence, you know? Because I naturally am probably going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to think, if I can impress, you know, a half dozen people today, then I'm going to feel satisfied. If if I can get everything on my list done, then I'm going to feel peace. And I am going to need to repent. Because what's really going to satisfy me is being close to Jesus tomorrow, and depending on Jesus. And so you can see um, that how repentance is so critical in terms of leaving ch- leading children, having a concept of repentance, so critical in terms of leading kids towards um, satisfaction in Christ. Um, and you can see, too, this is part of why the gospel of grace is so key, because you can see that it says, let the person return to the Lord so that God will have compassion upon him. Um, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. A lot of the places where we go to seek, uh, to seek satisfaction that are sinful can be really shameful, you know? Um, uh, like, you know, example, I, one of the, the hardest places that um, young people go to find satisfaction, this is particularly true of boys, but it's true of girls too, is pornography for example, you know, they're looking for a sense of, to fe- they're looking to feel good, they're looking for love, uh, they're looking for a sense of control, and inevitably, when the, after they consume pornography, they feel like trash. They feel really guilty and really ashamed. And so, um, and so they need to be reminded that, um, that, you know, of God's grace, of God's, God's a, 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 an ever-flowing um, well of mercy. Um, so, so with that being said, like, you know, it's it's easy it's easier said than done in terms of, oh, we go we seek in the, and, and we seek it and um, we seek satisfaction in unsatisfying places. Now we just turn to Jesus. That's not as easy if the places you've been seeking satisfaction you feel ashamed of, and so that's why we have to the the. the nature of God being forgiving and merciful is so critical to remember because that can be the thing, that fear of judgment, that fear of condemnation can be the thing that keeps a kid from turning to Christ. And so that's central in this as well. And so um, 
So then finally it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my um, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water of the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word my show shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. And there's this promise at the end, for you shall go out in peace and be led, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. There's this promise that God's, God's going God's to be faithful um, to lead us to deeper satisfaction in Christ. I think when I, you listen to a lesson like this, we can get very formulaic of like, okay, I call play one, I call play two, I call play three, and I'm satisfied in Christ. When really, um, we need God to teach us. We need God to lead us to himself. I think one of my daily, one of my daily prayers is, Father, send your Holy Spirit to lead me to Christ. Um, lead me to yourself. Draw me to yourself by your Holy Spirit. Um, and so, you know, as we think about leading our kids to Christ, yes, we want to we want to you know, remind them that Jesus is the thing that will satisfy their soul. Yes, we want to you know, help them understand their sin, that they tend to seek that in, in empty places that aren't actually going to satisfy. They, they seek it in cotton candy. Um, and we want to remind them of God's grace. You know, we want to encourage them to, to seek Jesus. And I think really we want to pray for them. You know? Because I, I, it's, not like, it's not like anyone gave me... If any of you have come, you know, have... have have a sense of this in your own spiritual life of like finding a taste of satisfaction in Jesus, you know, in different moments along the way. It's not because someone sat down and gave you a formula. It's because God led you to that place. And so, um, and it was a different, and it was a different route for all of us. And so at the end of the day, yep, there, there's some tools we want to put into practice wisely. And I think a good thing for us is just to pray that our children will find satisfaction and joy in Christ. And so that's where I leave it. We want to, we want to leave it, we want to leave it in the work of the Holy Spirit um, through God the Father. But yeah. Let me pray for us. If you want to ask questions, that's great. I'm, I'm, we're, the next service is at 1115. It's 1101. Um, Jesus, we're so thankful that even though we're sinners, you offer yourself to us um, through unmerited grace and for Lord, probably the best thing for any of us that we can do for our kids is, is to find our satisfaction in you. And so um, guide us, good shepherd, to yourself. Um, guide us and uh, reveal yourself to us more and more. Give us joy in reading your word and in praying and in worshiping you. And, um, and may just the joy, the joy of Christ um, emanate from our hearts and our lives such that our kids see that. And, um, and yeah, we do pray that in your way and in your timing, um, that you would guide our kids to satisfying relationship in Jesus. And um, yeah, get, help us to be faithful in praying for that. So we trust you. Yes, first in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.